Welcome back to the OU podcast with myself and Eli Letterman, Tulsa World Podcast, talking everything Oklahoma University or University of Oklahoma. Let's get it right. Uh, it's good to be back. Took a week off with the team. We weren't, we didn't podcast, and I, I feel refreshed. Eli, how do you feel, man? You're glowing. You look <laughs> like you had a week just to refresh. I was on the road in Kansas City. I, I didn't. I, I, I was with the hoops. I didn't take it too light, but it, it was nice to have a weekend off. And Brent Venables said yesterday that it was nice to have a break from all of us, which, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but it's good to be back, and we're, like, right back into it. We're traveling again this weekend to Iowa State. It's going now, to be fun. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, how many times have you been to Ames? I've been once. Ah, oh, probably had a, a good number of trips. Any memorable yes. trips? Yeah, every even year since 2012, so 12, 14, 16, 18, 25, this is my sixth trip to Ames. So, yeah, Ames, Iowa, and and uh, I love going to Ames. I love the passion of the fan base. That's the thing that's the fun thing about Ames is there's, there's, a, there's a big, strong passion. And you see it in basketball season for sure, but mm-hmm. uh, football, they, they love their football up there. And I tell you, last time I went up to Ames, it was funny. There were more – there were a lot of signs ripping Iowa. Even though they were playing the Sooners, they they don't they don't like Iowa. They still don't like Iowa, no matter what time of year it is. So it, it's a fun trip. Yeah, I wonder if there's I don't know who on either side of this is gonna how they're gonna feel about it. But I wonder if there's some elements in Nebraska to what Iowa State and Iowa have of being kind of they're the, they're the big teams in the state, and the fan bases just feel different with those schools. Like those three to me feel really different. And, and walking out last year, covering OSU with Garen Emig. Game was like in a, I think an 11 a.m. kick. Maybe it was a 2.30, but it was an early kick. And at like 9 o'clock, we're walking out of the stadium, and there's still fans just <laughs> tailgating in, in the parking lot. They were nice as could be, even offered us a beer, but we had to get back to Ankeny or Des Moines. Uh, but it is a really cool, I think one of the best locales in the, on the Big 12 swing. It's funny. Garen sent me a text this week talking about Iowa State fans, said that we're going to walk through tailgates and people are going to offer us beers. And said we could just spend the night in Ames if we wanted to, just hang out with the fans after the game. So it's going to be funny after the game. We'll see if they're excited, if they're they're just kind of drowning their sorrows. And I, to be honest, I don't know what to expect again. And we had this talk two weeks ago when Oklahoma was going to play Kansas. I didn't know what to expect then. We saw Oklahoma score 52, yet give up 42. You know, I'm in the same boat again. I don't know what to expect this weekend as well. Well, if, if I were a hack journalist, if. I would probably maybe come up with a line and say they're kind of, and it's Halloween, the trick-or-treat Sooners. You don't really know what you're going to get. Um, and I don't think we, we might not know it until, you know, cotton goes zero at Lubbock in, in the final week of the season or just what this team is, because you're right. I mean, defensively, still a lot of question marks, even after a better performance against Kansas. The offense, I, I think we can have a reasonable expectation, but what are they going to do against the Big 12's best defense in, in Ames? It's it's all like still in the air, and and then there's the element of a bye week. I mean, is that going to sound? You'd think it might have helped them. You're almost certain they needed it, but who knows which team is going to show up? And and that's been the case basically every week since uh, conference play began. You know, it's funny for all these times we think OU football, we think high scoring games, shootout wins. This kid has the makings of maybe a low scoring game. Especially, you know, with Iowa State, what they, you know, they've had some issues on offense. I know we've seen Oklahoma's issues, but more or less, Iowa State's defense is probably going to put a lot more pressure on on the Sooners than they've seen all year. They got a talented defense, so this has the makings of a low-scoring game. But again, as soon as we say that, I wouldn't be surprised for the 45-35 things to go nuts as well, too. So we've seen that. 
Um, let, let's talk a little bit about Iowa State. I mean, we, you, the defense, the three-three-five, and what they able to do. What it, what impresses me a lot about this Iowa State team, Eli, and they have over the years is just the 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 consistency of the coaching staff, the the continuity, and also you know these are guys a lot. You look at their defensive coaching staff. A lot of these guys have coached together for a long time. You don't see a lot of new guys, new faces on this team, and it allows you to build a culture, especially on defense. And I think that's a credit to Matt Campbell. You know who else is impressed with their defense? Brent Venables. Uh, asked him about it yesterday because he's obviously in the early stages of trying to build, you know, if even seven years, it's how long Matt Campbell has been at Iowa State. In seven years, Oklahoma is the class of the Big 12 defensively year in, year out, which Iowa State largely has. I mean, I have it here in front of me. Um, the last, uh, you going back to 2017, each year they finished top three in scoring defense, and, and they were the best defense in a couple of those years. They have built something really consistent. And, and to your point, you've got Matt Campbell and John Heacock, the, the defensive coordinator. They've been there all of those seven years. And, and so I asked Brent Venables, I said, is, is there something there to mirror? Maybe not scheme, but although Brent Venables also noted that they've had success with the three-man front that, that OU fans have, have had such a problem with. But he, he just said, you know, all the consistency, the buy-in, recruiting to a system, all that is, is what they're trying to do in Norman. It's kind of his third run building a defense over time. So he did it with the Sooners the first time, did it at Clemson, and now Brent Venables is doing it again. Um, and I, I think, you know, they're not there yet. Even if they put in a good defensive performance on, on Saturday, the Sooners are not where Iowa State is or, or where Brent Venables wants them to be yet. But on the other sideline, there's absolutely going to be a pretty good example of, of what Brent Venables wants to do and wants, wants his defense to be at Oklahoma. Because once again, Iowa State is just they, they are the defense in the league, and it's it's what's going to be the challenge for the Sooners this week. You look at him, and Brent Venables mentioned this yesterday during our Tuesday press conference. We're taping on Wednesday. That uh, you know, you look at you know, they lead the defense, lead the Big Twelve in scoring offense or scoring defense, in rushing defense, and passing defense, and total defense. I mean, that, that that's the grand slam basically of defenses, and they're they're doing it. Uh, like like they've always had. And I think that even puts the onus more on Jeff Levy in this offense. I mean, he's going to be have to be real uh, methodical with what he does offensively to try to move the football against this Iowa State team. I mean, you look at what they did against, T, it was a TCU, the 10-9 game. Uh, was it TCU? I'm, I'm yep. making yeah, 10-9. Uh, you know, this is a TCU offense that's moved the ball a lot, scored a lot of points. They held them to 10 in Ames a couple of weeks ago. So uh, that's going to be interesting on Jeff Levy's part to try to figure out ways to find chinks in this defense. I don't I don't know if you can, the armor. Uh, I just don't know if you can because it, it, it they do so many things so well. And Dylan Gabriel, he's going to have to be on point. They're going to have to be able to run the football. And, you know, Eric Gray's really, really playing well, too, as well. So, um I, I'm just curious how that's going to play out. And the other side of it, there's kind of a push and pull versus this Iowa State offense and the OU defense. On one side, you've got the lowest scoring offense in the league. Uh, they've, they've lost their last four games, all conference losses by 14 points total. And you, you, it's not the defense's problem, that's for sure. It, it seems to be this offense. But on the other side of that, well, on the other end, you've got an Oklahoma defense. We've seen what they've done in, in conference play. They've struggled. But on that offense, I'm so fascinated by Xavier Hutchinson, the, the wide receiver from Iowa State, who's got 67 catches. 67. They're, they've played seven games. That's like 10, 10 catches a game. 
and they're going to feed him and teams know they're going to feed him. And, and it's one of the things they do well. Maybe that's their problem is they've got to feed one guy. Um, but even talking, I asked Woody Washington about that. And, and just when you go in, not again, you've, they've gone up against teams with weapons, but this is a team where you can just pencil in, you know, X number of targets, perhaps X number of catches. And he said it wears on you and you really have to stay focused on a guy like that. So uh, maybe that's the, the number one X factor. Stop Xavier Hutchinson and, and this defense will, will do its job. They don't. And we're looking at another you know, performance, even like the one against Kansas, where they allowed 42 points. This might not go go the way Sooner fans want it to. Another name that we talked about yesterday and brought up with Brent Venables was Billy Bowman. Uh, you know, ever since the TCU game on October 1st, when he was injured with the uh, kick return, we, we haven't seen him and the defense has suffered without him on the field. I mean, you can really tell that there's a void out there. And uh, Ted Roof even said, you know, called him probably the best player on that defensive unit. And, you know, we were at practice on Monday night. We saw him out there kind of doing some drills, kind of running around. And you can tell he's really trying to get back to where he was. And uh, I thought it was interesting, Brent Reynolds saying, you know, sometimes going hard during rehab isn't the best thing. You got to let your body heal. And that just tells you about the anxiousness of uh, Billy Bowman wanting to get back on that field and, and really help his team. And and so it's, it, there was no timetable set with Bowman by Brent said, we're still, you know, we still don't have a date when he can come back. But uh, I, I just think that you're going to see an impact when he comes back, but it's just going to be when that's the key. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask you about too, when we talk about this defense uh, and you, you, we asked about him, you're, you're working on a story, DJ Graham uh, going from cornerback to wide receiver that, that, you know, that was kind of a surprise a couple of weeks ago. And now Brent Venables has, uh, has talked about, it. he talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, we asked uh, Monday, we asked both coordinators and they deferred to the head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and yesterday Brent Venables, I mean, he was pretty brief, but just said that, that when the new coaching staff came in um, that from the sound of it, that was DJ Graham's opportunity to express that, you know, he was, his passion lies with, uh, with playing wide receiver. He made the move to defensive back early on in his OU career. That was where Lincoln Riley's staff with Alex Grinch wanted him, and he saw a path, to, a better path to playing time there. But um, bottom line is, is he's a, you know, deep down is a receiver, wants to be a receiver. And so nine months after letting the staff know that was the case, they finally made that move. Um, and, and I will have a story on that. I spoke to DJ's father, and you'll be able to find it at Tulsa World, probably not long after this podcast drops. So Go, go have a read. But uh, really, it sounds like it was a, a very much so a DJ Graham decision um, and, and maybe a, a case where a promise was made in, in the winter about, you know, give it a shot at defensive back. And if it doesn't work out, we'll we'll uh, we'll see. And that according to DJ's dad, you know, the coaching staff kept its word. So it'll be interesting. We know he's quite an athlete. We know he can make some incredible catches. Uh, they've come on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but that that was kind of an interesting underlying story uh, storyline through the bye week of, of this position change for a guy who's who's made what upwards of ten starts in the senior secondary. You're looking at a player too. You know his athleticism. You're right. I mean that, that's the kind of player that there's a reason he's at Oklahoma. I mean everyone was impressed with that, his athleticism. You know uh, Brent Vittles did mention when he was recruited, he was recruited as an athlete. He wasn't recruited as a defensive player or an offensive player. So uh, Venables did mention that too. And it, it, I think this is just part of the things we're seeing in this first year under the Venables era when we're seeing 
transitions made. We're seeing some some moving around a little bit, different positions a little. Nothing nothing this like this. So we haven't seen anything like this. And this is the only one. Brent Middlewells was asked if this was the only position change. And and yes, this is the only major position change there is. But I think we're going to see a little bit more of this. Uh, maybe some younger players playing, uh, getting more time because I, I, I there no undoubtedly there's going to be some shuffling of personnel. Uh, during the offseason. There'll be the transfer portal. We'll see what happens. We'll see if, you know, maybe Oklahoma doesn't fit for some kids. Maybe it does for some. Uh, you know, a player that I was interested in, I'm going to write about or later this week, is Robert Spears Jennings from Broken Arrow. Uh, had a really good game against Kansas, and it's one of those things where uh, he, the game, he's catching up to the game. You know, when he got on campus, he, he made me laugh because he said, his footwork was awful when he first got to campus and he wishes he had film of his footwork now because he, he said, I'd be disgusted with what I saw back then and how much he's grown. And I think that's part of the evolution of a player, uh, especially a true freshman. When you're getting used to the college game, he got rewarded with more playing time against Kansas. And I think that that's good for the, the for him as a player. And it's good for the team on the depth side of things. I mean, Key Lawrence and Billy Bowman have been uh, hit and hindered a little bit by injuries this season. So I think you just need some of those young players to step up. And it's neat being from Tulsa to see a broken arrow, uh, a kid from broken arrow really go out and perform like he's performing. So I think that's a really cool deal too. So um, Iowa State, this is going to be an interesting game because it starts the ball rolling on a five-game finish to the season where right now Oklahoma's still not bowl eligible. There's still a couple wins from getting to a bowl. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. And again, we, we started off saying we don't know what's going to expect, but I think I really get a feeling this is a game they really need to take a step toward bowl eligibility. I think so. And you can look at it both in the context of what's ahead. I mean, Baylor at home. West Virginia on the road, Oklahoma State at home, and then finishing in Lubbock. You could argue this is one of – I wouldn't call it an easy game. No trip to uh, to Iowa State is easy. But perhaps, if you wanted to, to argue it, you could say that's the, the the easiest part of that path, that five-game path. And I so so there's that end of it and, and really needing to get to those six wins to, to maintain eligibility. But – You'd also think that if they came off the bye week after that Kansas game and, and this one resembles anything close to those earlier Big 12 losses, that it would really take the air out. You know, you could debate if they could recover schedule-wise, but you'd, you'd at least then have, have a lot of those same questions about, you know, what could this team do in those next four games if, if they couldn't go to, to Ames and, and stop the, the conference's lowest scoring defense. So this is huge. Um, and, and it really doesn't get much easier from here. And that's due in large part to the fact that the Big 12 is so much better um, than, than it has been in years past. But, Eric, when you think about that stretch, where do you see two wins that get them both, you know, two, three wins and what they need to, to be playing postseason football? Well, I think the one thing you want to do is avoid – Having to go to Texas Tech in the finale, needing a win to get bowl eligible. You don't want to be in that position. You want to feel okay going into that game. Um, I think this week is probably one of their best chances to steal a win on the road. It's not going to be easy, like you said. It's funny, Eli. You look at you look at this team. I was looking at the notes. Uh, they've only lost three games to Iowa State in the last 53 meetings. <laughs> so it, they're 49 really? one against Iowa State, and two of those losses have come in the last six years. I was going to say, that is that is yeah. staggering. Yeah, so, I mean, there's been so much success Oklahoma's had over Iowa State. So, and it's not an easy place to play whenever they go up there. Even their best teams have troubles up there. But I think they need to find a way to steal a win up there at Iowa State. And I think even going to West Virginia, 
I think if they can find a way, West Virginia hasn't beaten OU since they joined the Big 12 in 2012. So I think that if OU can get a win there, you're in really good shape. Uh, and and even the Baylor game, I, I really I feel good about Oklahoma's chances in that Baylor game. Uh, I, I'd say those three games are the ones to really keep an eye on. I think OSU is going to be tough, uh, and that'll depend on Spencer Sanders' health, uh, of course. But I think playing at home will be a benefit to the Sooners, and I think there's the revenge factor after last year. Uh, and then also, you know, we talked about going to Lubbock. I think that might be the toughest game, especially if you need to win that sixth game. So I'd say those three games coming up, that three-game stretch of uh, Iowa State, uh, Baylor at home, and then going to West Virginia, I think that they, if they're going to make the bowl game, I think these they need to go at least, you know, obviously two and one in those in those games to reach it. Starts Saturday. But enough about football. Last night, Lloyd Noble Center. Oklahoma Sooners men's basketball program and Oklahoma City University played a barn burner <laughs> of, a, of an exhibition. We we got our first look at this really new look OU men's basketball team because it's they've got uh, depending on if you're counting the walk-ons and all that. I mean, they've got five returners and about eight new faces, um, and so it really was interesting to get that first look at everybody. Uh, Sooners didn't shoot especially well. I think they only had four games where they shot as poorly from three-point range last year as they did last night. Some guys, you know, mixed performances. Grant Sherfield, Joe Bamisil kind of mixed debuts. Some really impressive debuts for for two freshmen, Milo Suzan and Otega Owe. And uh, and Tanner Groves looked bigger as he got. He, he put on 14 pounds this offseason and, and showed it. And he kind of has said that that's, he's feeling that tr- translation onto the court. So interesting first look. They have a, a Saturday scrimmage now uh, with with Oregon in Las Vegas. They call them secret scrimmages, but you can <laughs> find the whole schedule online if you you know with one click. So I'm not <laughs> how secret we're talking, but uh, that's that's the the skinny right now on Porter Mo- Porter Mo- Moser and Co. Uh, with that November seventh uh, opener coming, I think sooner than any of us are ready for. Yeah, Banasil, what impressed me, I watched a little bit of the game last night, just his ability to rebound early, especially early, man. He was all over the place. Uh, They'll make their shot. They were missing what Bijan Cortez didn't play Mm -hmm. yesterday. So, okay, who's the dog? That's 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 the first time I've seen a dog. Oh, man, yeah, this is crew. Um, Dog sitting right now. He might actually need to go. I think that's what he's indicating to me. He's got to go out. So (laughs) we might have to wrap this up at some point. But, yeah, Yeah. crew's been mostly quiet to this point. But I'm doing some dog sitting right now. (laughs) Awesome. That's funny. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. I think you know Bijan Cortez brings a lot to the team, uh, and I think once you get him in the mix, you'll see things. But concussion protocol—is that what that is? Yeah, he was cleared actually to play last night, according to Porter Moser, and they just said we're not going to chance it or anything. But um, that was that's encouraging. Luke Northweather is the other scholarship mm-hmm. guy out with the freshman. Porter said he might even be available for for Saturday the scrimmage, but if not November seventh, they should have everybody. And it, they're going to be interesting to see. And to your point on Joe, you know, Bamisil, for instance, he didn't have a great offensive night, but he showed what he could do even on a bad night was, was nine rebounds. And I think you saw that from some of these guys. Maybe that's what they didn't have last year. Grant Sherfield had a, yeah. a rough first half. And in the second half, he rebounded and looked kind of like that preseason newcomer of the year, veteran guard you were expecting. So they, they, there's, there's stuff there. And come on, it's, it's an exhibition. <laughs> if they shoot like that the rest of the way, they'll be in trouble. But I don't imagine they will. Um, so it was interesting that first look to, to get to this group. 
Well, good things. And uh, also one more, uh, you know, baseball, I guess. Did you make it to baseball availability? Oh, yeah. I had a marathon day in Norman yesterday. And we talked to Skip Johnson and uh, a couple of like, returning guys from last year's team. And it was, I think, really our first chance to to get some insight over there since Omaha. Um, and hearing about both capitalizing, I mean, certainly Skip Johnson on the recruiting trail because he had to replenish this roster, capitalizing on what happened in Omaha, taking the good from it, but largely saying like that that's the past this team is completely different so many guys went to the pros after that and the fact is that buys you nothing now uh, as a lot of teams have learned so now it's about turning the page but doing so with a bit more confidence I think uh, that was what stuck out um, you know we heard it from Kendall Pettis said you know last year we had to learn that we were this good or that we could do this now they know it and they, they at least feel like there's no reason they shouldn't be going back but uh, it's October 25th. They they probably don't get started till late February, so they've got some time. <laughs> well, it's funny because you look at setting the foundation what Brent Venables is trying to do with the football program. I think we've seen it with Skip Johnson, so I think that's huge yep. too. All right, well, Eli, we'll be back next week to talk to revisit the Iowa State game and look forward to a home game against Baylor. Uh, to everyone out there, thanks again for uh, listening to our podcast. You can find it on any platform: Zoom, Spotify, Google, Zoom. Excuse me. Let's start over. <laughs> That'd be cool if you could find it on Zoom, Google, Spotify, or Apple, uh, any platform you listen to. And also all our content, TulsaWorld.com. We're, we're keeping busy. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone that reads. So until next week, thanks for uh, listening, watching the OU Football Podcast with the Tulsa World.